This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Well, I'm fired up tonight, church, because I believe that this is a season for taking ground. I believe the Lord is leading us to become a people to take ground in a place that he's calling us to go. And that place is called Salt Lake City, and we hope you're with us. The name of this message is Taking Ground, and it's the beginning of a new series that we're going to do, a study in the life of Joshua. Joshua is one of my favorite books in the Bible. If you've never read the book of Joshua, it's found in the Old Testament, or as uh, one scholar said, the First Testament. And it is an amazing book full of all kinds of encouragement for what it looks like to be a people of faith despite the obstacles and the problems and challenges you and I are going to face living in the world today. How many of you guys know if you're alive and you're breathing, you're going to face some problems? Some of you are like, yeah, that's my life right now, Pastor Jay. You're speaking my language. And if you haven't had any problems or crises or craziness occur in your life yet, well, get ready, buckle up. Stay tuned. Because following Jesus is a wild ride. It's an adventure, and we're so thankful that you guys have said yes to the adventure of following Jesus and what that means. Tonight's message is called, We Are a Commissioned People. We are a commissioned people. If you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Joshua. We're going to begin right in chapter 1 with verse 1, and I'll have it up on the screen for you, and here's what it says in the ESV. After the death of Moses... The servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses's assistant, Moses, verse two, my servant is dead. For those of you that have been in, that have been on this journey with Courageous Church for a little while now, a couple months back, we had a team night and I made this statement to you that Moses is dead. Moses represented a particular chapter and season in the life of the people Israel. Moses fulfilled his his mandate, he fulfilled his mission. He was obedient unto the calling of God that was on his life for his generation, and then he died. And now Joshua has come upon the scene as the new leader of God's people. And the first thing that the Lord says to Joshua is this, Moses is dead. For some of us, we're still holding on to Moseses in our life. We're still holding on to past moments and chapters and seasons that are actually dead and gone. How many of you guys know you can't go back and relive the glory days for you older ones? Yeah, some of you are like, thank God, right? You can't go backwards. You can't. You can't live life in your rear view mirror. You've got to live it with your face toward the future. And as for Israel and the people of God, Joshua is this future. And then it says this, God says to Joshua, now, therefore, arise, say arise, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I'm giving to them. He says, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan. Church, it's time to arise. It's time to Arise, it's time to cross over our South Jordan. Come on, somebody. And it's time to take the land in the mighty name of Jesus because you are and I am a commissioned people. We are a commissioned people. That's who we are. 
That's a part of our spiritual DNA and inheritance as the people of God. That's who he's calling us to be. A people full of hope, a people full of life, a people full of healing, a people full of courage, a people not afraid, but a people full of faith, a courageous people with a courageous mandate to reach the lost, to reach the hurting, to reach the broken, to repair the the gaps, to repair the breaches in the walls, to step into the streets like Isaiah 58 says, and to be a restorer of of the streets to dwell in, to raise up the foundations of many generations. Come on, church, our work is only begun. But this is who God is calling us to be, a commissioned people, a co-missioned people, meaning people that share a mission with God, or we could say it this way, a people on mission with God. They're co-missioned. They're joining the mission of God for the world. As a commissioned people, I would say to you and I would say to me tonight, that our orders are actually pretty simple. But just because they're simple doesn't make them easy. Can I get an amen? How many of you guys know that when God calls you to do something, it's not complicated, but it's not always easy. And for some of us, we've overcomplicated the the spirit life in pursuit of following Jesus by adding all sorts of rules and checklists and to-dos to things that Jesus never asked us to do. What did Jesus actually ask us to do? He asked us to help people become courageous followers of Jesus. You guys, this is our mission. This is why we exist as a church. And I'm here to remind you tonight, or maybe to tell you, for those of you that are watching online or listening to this for the first time, that this is why we exist. This is why God looked down the the halls of time and saw a courageous people saying yes to Jesus in 2022. On July 31st, this is why we exist. Because God saw fit to build a church. And he said, standing at Mount Bashan, at the gates of hell, it's an actual real location, you can look it up geographically. I will build my church, Jesus said, and the gates of hell, or in the Greek, Hades, shall not prevail against it. Jesus is building his church and he's inviting you and I to be a part of what he's building. Courageous church is not my idea. It's not Candace's idea. It's God's idea. And it's God's idea because he will build his church. Christ is building his church. He's not building his parachurch. He's not building a nonprofit organization. He's not building a philanthropy. He's not building anything else in the world. He's not building temples. He's not building buildings. He's not building anything but a church. And this is why we exist, to help people become a part of it, to become courageous followers of Jesus. In other words, to make disciples of all nations and to start right where we live. Come on, in our homes, in your backyard, in your neighborhood, and in your city. And he wants us to know that as we do this, just as he promised Moses then, and just as he promised Joshua then, he is promising us now. Listen to this, Joshua verse, chapter one, verse five. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And not only does he promise to be with us, church, he says, I will not leave you 
or forsake you. What's the promise? His promise is that he will be with us and that he will never leave us or forsake us. This is good news because in case you haven't figured it out, trying to do life according to your own terms doesn't work. Some of you who have moved into Utah or transplanted into Utah, there's times where you're going to feel alone. But make no mistake, you're never alone because he is with you and he will never leave you or forsake you. So what's our response? Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 to 7 tells us, and verse 9, Be strong and courageous, he says, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. And then he says it again, only be strong, and now he adds a qualifier. Very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Pause. Before we can be strong and courageous, we need to remember that we have been given specific orders with specific instructions on how to carry them out. Here's Joshua being put in charge of the people, and it would be very tempting for him at this moment to go, all right, well, I'm going to do things my way. How many of you like work for that boss, and they drove you crazy, and you're like, man, if only we could do things my way, then we'd be better off. And then you get the chance to do it, and you make an entire fool out of yourself. I remember being in school and they put you in charge of the project or they put you in charge of leading the group and you thought to yourself, man, if I could just be in charge, we'd have this thing figured out. And then the responsibility falls on your shoulders and then you're like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Ah, oh, this was more than I thought I could bear. Oh, I, I bit off more than I could chew. If only I could, I could do it my way. God reminds Moses, or excuse me, Joshua here, that there was a specific plan, a specific way that he wants him to continue in. And in this case, it's the way of the law. It's the way of Torah that was delivered to Moses at Sinai. Verse nine, skipping ahead. Have I not commanded you? There it is again. He's like, do you not remember the commandments? Do you not remember the Torah? Do you not remember the way, the specific instruction that I set before you, Joshua? Therefore, be strong and courageous. He says it a third time. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then he reminds him of the assurance of his presence. Three times the Lord tells us, church, to be strong and courageous. Three times he tells the people, I wonder why he had to tell them three times. Parents, you ever had to tell your kids something more than once? And why do you do that? Because they weren't paying attention the first time. I love my kids, but sometimes I'm like, hey, will you go take out the trash? If it's, let's just say it's Keaton because he's not in the room. Hey, Keaton, will you go, will you go take out the trash? He's like, sure, Dad. And then he forgets. And I'm like, hey, Keaton, the trash. He's like, oh, yeah, I forgot, sorry. And on his way to go to the trash, he sees the fridge, and he's like, ooh, a snack. And he opens up the fridge, and he starts drinking the milk, and he starts eating a snack. And then I'm like, Keaton, I need you to take out the trash. He's like, ah, yes, the trash, three times. This is all of us. All of us need to be reminded to be strong and courageous and not strong in our might, church, but strong in the power of the Lord, strong in who we are in him as those who've been given such a great inheritance in Christ Jesus. He says, be strong and courageous. Can I tell you something? Moving into SLC may not seem like a big deal to some people, but for us at this moment, at this time, it's actually going to require a lot of faith and a lot of courage from all of us and from you. Here's also what the Lord goes on to say, and I don't want us to miss this. In verse 
9, he says, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. In other words, don't be scared and don't get discouraged. Let me tell you this. There's going to be plenty of reasons for us to get scared and for us to grow discouraged. Have you ever been doing something a while and you've been consistent in it? Maybe it's like going to the gym and you're not seeing the results. So what do you do? Eh, you blow it off, right? You go back to like snacking at midnight, hitting up that Del Taco run at like one in the morning. <laughs> you, you grow tired and, and weary and doing the right thing. And it's easy to become what the Bible says, dismayed or discouraged and, and or frightened or scared because the truth is there are giants in the land. There are obstacles set before Joshua and the people of God that are going to cause them to be frightened. This is why the Lord says, do not be frightened, Joshua, and don't be dismayed, but be very courageous. Church, it ain't always going to be easy. Saying yes to Jesus is not easy. But I want you to hear this tonight. 2 Timothy 1.7 reminds us that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Mm. Just speak that over your lives tonight. God has not given you a spirit of fear, church, but a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. There it is. This week we were downtown, Candace and I, and uh, there's a big billboard advertising Nightmare on 13th, right? You guys have all seen it, the haunted house and all that. And right above it was a sign that said, anxious, question mark, see Jesus. Posted on my Instagram today. Some of you are battling anxiety because you don't know that this is your inheritance. And you've embraced a spirit of fear when what God is calling you to do is embrace a spirit of power. What the world needs right now is not a fearful church, but one that has power. One that can walk in love. And one that has a sound mind or, or what the Bible sometimes translates as disciplined thoughts or self-control. We are called to be a people that are strong and courageous because we have the spirit of God with us, in us, working all around us. And the spirit of the world and the atmosphere of where we're going is very much dictated by fear, by paranoia, by anxiety, by insecurity. I mean, just fill in the blanks. This is why it's so imperative for us to figure out who we are in Christ now. Because if you can't get this, you can't be of any help to anybody else. If you're still battling anxiety and you're still anxious and worried all the time, I'm not talking about every once in a while, I mean all the time, God wants to set you free from a spirit of fear. And you've been believing the wrong voice. You've been listening to the wrong voices. See, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've had many people try to talk me out of going where we're going because they said it's too hard. There's too many giants. There's too many strongholds. There's too many people that don't look, believe, act, or think like us. There's too many colors on their flag. Come on, somebody. We're not called to shrink back, but to be a part of those that press forward in faith. That is our identity. That is our calling. That is our mission. That is our mandate. That's who we're called to be. And it's not just an act that we put on on Sunday. 
It's a reality that we live in Monday through Saturday. Some of you need to grab a hold of this. In fact, for those of you that battle anxiety, I want you to print out this scripture and put it right on your mirror in the morning so that's the first thing that you see and speak over your life. Take a picture of it or write it down. God has not given us a spirit of fear. God didn't give Joshua a spirit of fear. God didn't give Caleb a spirit of fear. He gave him a spirit of let's take the mountain. Let's go. I know there's giants in the land. I know there's obstacles. I know there's challenges, but we can do it. We can do it. And I believe that God is still saying that to his people in his church today. If you've put your hope and your faith and your trust in Jesus, this is available to you. And not just when Pastor Jason and Candace lay hands on you, not just when the prayer team reminds you. Come on, this is available to you 24-7. You can cry out in the middle of the night and take authority over dreams and nightmares and thoughts that are not of God. Some of you allow the darkness to permeate your being because you think that's the way you were called to live when the truth is you are called to be like an arrow that pierces the darkness. And you can't do that if you're shivering and afraid in the, in the shadows. And we are called to step into this confidently because we know that this is what Jesus has given us. I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So how are we going to rise, church? How are we going to take the land? Well, I believe it's simple. We need to follow Jesus' own model. Do you guys know what Jesus' model is? You guys want to know it? I've searched all throughout the scriptures for implicit and explicit ways that Jesus tells us how we are to be salt and light. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Here it is. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. The model is service. The way up is actually the way down. Well, God, how can I be great in your kingdom? Well, unless you're the least, you have no part of me. Well, God, how can I, how can I aspire to lead well and be strong and courageous? By washing some stinking feet by picking up a table and putting it away at the end of the night, by helping Pastor Candace and the kids' ministry team, by serving a cup of cold water in my name, by serving in a way that requires you to lay down the rights to yourself. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus wasted it all for you. He spent his entire life, every drop of sweat and blood that proceeded from his forehead for you. He modeled it the way that he lived his life with his friends, with his disciples, with those that he led in front of religious people, in front of sinners, in front of tax collectors, in front of atheists, agnostics, skeptics. Come on. He served. He lived to serve and he gave. It's the same model for us, you guys. Like I said, it's not complicated. It doesn't mean it's easy. We serve rather than be served and we give rather than just consume. You know what the mark of maturity is in the life of a believer? When you finally contribute more than you consume. Some of you right now, you're in spiritual infancy and you're like, feed, 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 give, take, 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 feed me, help me, heal me, give to me, 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 me. And we love you because you're a baby. 
And so we treat you like that. But there comes a time where we have to start treating you as an adult. Paul said it this way, there came a time when I put away childish things, right? Foolish thinking. I once thought as a child and I did as a child, but when I became a man, I put away that life of childishness. There comes a moment in your life where you've got to realize that what Christ is calling you to is to be a contributor and not a consumer. The reason why our churches are weak, because we've caved into consumerism, because we've given people what they want and made it easy, and let's just make your seat comfortable, and let's, let's not do anything to disturb you, and let's not call you out on your sin, and let's not talk about any of your closet demons or pets, and let's just dance around the flowers and, and just play our guitar and make music nice and put on them the fog machines and lights and just make the atmosphere really comfortable and turn the temperature to 72 degrees, and let's make the coffee at the right temperature and the espresso so that you love us we'll come back and it's exhausting when in reality what Christ has called us to do is to raise up spiritual warriors sons and daughters of the most high God who know who they are in Christ who've put away childish consumeristic ways and said how can I serve Jesus where can I serve whose feet can I wash who can I give food to what can I do how can I give This is what Jesus came to do. It's his model. That's why I know it'll work. Because it isn't my model. You know what my model is? Serve me. Take care of my needs. And then I'll love and bless you. Right? Some of you are in marriages. And the reason there's conflict is because you're still trying to get your needs met. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you just don't want to, like, raise your hand. But you're like, yeah. Yeah. He's sitting right next to me. (laughs) You guys, we battle this flesh that makes it all about us. Jesus stepped into our flesh and made it all about the Father. He could have received glory, and yet he gave it all away. He could have received praise, and yet he was found serving and loving and being compassionate and kind and patient. With those, the world said, they're not worth it. They're unworthy. They're unclean. They're undignified. They they don't deserve your best, Jesus. What are you doing? You mean to tell me that this woman would crack open her jar of perfume that was worth a year's wages and just waste it on your feet, Jesus? What are you thinking? We could use that money for the poor. And Jesus said, oh, you guys, you don't understand. You missed it. What she did to me, the way that she worshiped and poured it out, And got hysterical with her tears and her emotions and her hair and the perfume and it's all in the mix. What she did was beautiful. And wherever the gospel is preached, so will her story be told. That's how powerful worship is. And that's how powerful it is when you get the revelation of what it looks like to give your life away in service of the King of Kings. You see, church, we don't serve based on our own prerogatives and initiatives. We serve at the pleasure of the king of the universe. I don't get my orders from you. I don't get my orders from my wife. I get my orders from the king of kings. And I'm living for his approval and his approval only. I'm living for the day when he'll say, well done, my good and faithful what? Servant. Not my good and faithful pastor, not my good and faithful leader, not my good and faithful president, not my good and faithful CEO, not my good and faithful employee. Come on, my good and faithful servant. The way up is the way down. 
I want to invite some of you in this next season to serve like there's no tomorrow, to give like you've got nothing left, to pour it all out on the feet of your king, to waste it on Jesus. What the world thinks is a waste is what Jesus calls worship. It's what he calls valuable. What we're doing may not make sense to some people in the natural, but it's precious to God. It's beautiful to him. He loves it when you serve others in his name. He loves it when you give your heart away, when you give your time and your talent and your treasure. This isn't about paying the bills, you guys. This is about worship. And it's beautiful to him. May we be a people that worship the king with all we have. In this next season, there's going to be a lot of opportunities to serve. You heard about some of them last week when Pastor Alfred was with us. Some of the things and initiatives and stuff that we're going to be doing to step into these neighborhoods, step into these schools, and to just serve our guts out. And that's awesome. And that's going to be a part of this story. But I also want you to realize that when you do that, you're doing that as unto the Lord. You're doing it as worship. So may it also be holy and sacred to you. So I love our Sunday gatherings. You know why? Because they're sacred to me. When I see your lives and I see what the Lord's doing and I see what he does when when we come together, that's sacred. It's holy. There's no substitute for that. I've tried. I've looked. I've tried to fill my life and fill that with other things, as I'm sure some of you have. It doesn't work. It doesn't add up. Because, once again, Christ is building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I like the way Bill Johnson says this. He says, we serve with the heart of a king, and we rule with the heart of a servant. Can I say that again for you? We serve with the heart of a king, and we rule with the heart of a servant. Isn't that beautiful? Why do we do this? Why do we go through all this hassle, you guys? Why do we get up and show up early and serve and give? Why do we do all this? Because this is who we are. We are a commissioned people. We are a commissioned people. And because now is the time, not tomorrow, not next week, not next year. We, none of us know what we're promised for tomorrow. Now is the time. He says, therefore, go and arise. It's an action statement. It's a now statement. It's a now word. Therefore, as a commissioned people, arise and go and answer the call because it's time to take ground. Because it's time to take some ground. I want to know who's with us tonight. I want to know who's going with us tonight. guys remember that moment in Jerry Maguire where he's like who's going with me and everybody's just like real quiet and he grabs the goldfish and he's like who's going with this goldfish is going with me and then Renee Zellweger's character is like I'm going with you right that's kind of how it feels (laughs) yeah who's the goldfish that's a good question (laughs) the reason I'm fired up tonight is not just because I had a little extra espresso I did thank you Maddie Maddie served me in such a beautiful way. 
cup of coffee in Jesus' name. I think that fits. The reason I'm really fired up, you guys, is because Jesus is inviting us to be a part of what he's doing. I'm not here trying to make this appeal because of what I want you to do. I'm here making this appeal tonight because it's what Jesus is inviting you to do. To be a part of a church that's going to see many lives changed, that's going to see the hopeless recover their hope, that's going to see the weak become strong, that's going to see the broken become mended, it's going to be the sick, it's going to see the sick become healed. I've been preaching that since day one, and I still believe it. And, I, and the truth is, we've seen it. But I believe we're about to see more of that in this next season than we've ever seen before. And so I want you to be a part of that. Pastor Canis wants you to be a part of that. Jesus wants you to be a part of that. It's time to take some ground. And as you guys know, next week we'll be meeting in SLC. It's, it'll be a new location. It'll be a new time. It'll come with new challenges and all of that. But I want you to see beyond just the mechanism. I want you to see the faces of your friends and your family and your neighbors I want you to see the lives of those that Jesus spilled his blood for and gave his life for. Amen. May we be a church that never loses focus of the mission to go into all the world, to make disciples of all nations. And we don't have to wait because the Lord's bringing them here. You guys, did you hear pastor Alfred's message last night? How many different people groups and, and nationalities over a hundred represented in SLC alone. I think it's like 130, 140, 111. Thank you, Jeff. 111 nations have been brought to our doorstep for us to make disciples of. Whew. We better get busy because we got some work to do. Amen. And to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To immerse them in the full reality of the Trinitarian universe, my professor used to say. I like that to immerse people in the full reality of the Trinitarian universe, the way that God spun the world into being and has been caring for it with his own hands ever since. To baptize them in the full reality of that, of who Jesus is and wants to be in their life. And to teach them to obey everything that Christ commands. For lo and behold, he will be with us. Even, 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 to the end of the age. And can I get an amen tonight? Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.